What's going on family? Let's talk about something that's been buzzing in the tech world, AI safety and security. How do you feel about the rapid advancements in AI and the potential risk that it brings? Have you heard of the stories about AI being tricked? It's a real concern, but fear not because there's a real solution, AI Red Teaming. You see, AI Red Teaming is all about stress testing. You see, AI models and deployments to prevent unauthorized access and data leaks. It's about ensuring that your AI can't be tricked into providing information beyond its intended use. And guess what? You don't have to do it alone. My friends over at HackerOne has a community of over 750 active hackers specializing in AI security testing. You see, in a recent engagement, just 18 hackers identified over 100 valid findings in just two weeks. That's the power of ethical hackers. Wow. So if you want to ensure the safety and security of your AI deployments, look no further. Head over to HackerOne.com and explore their AI red teaming services. With strategic flexibility, rapid deployment, and a hybrid talent strategy, HackerOne has everyone, everything you need to safeguard your AI. Don't let AI keep you up at night. Visit HackerOne.com today and rest easy knowing that your AI is in safe hands. What I was doing when I was at Vanguard and when I was at, you know, when I was, you know, a stockbroker and a financial advisor was I was making millionaires multimillionaires, but not helping the people from where I'm from invest. So that's where Better Wallet truly started. Yo, I, I, bro, bro. What's happening? No capital. We AO about to get a play Pull up to the table. Let's go. You know, one of the greatest things, man, that I love about life is you hear all kind of stories. You hear stories from homeless to, you know, to wealthy. And you hear stories of single mom to building wealth. Well, today, um, I actually just learned something right before today's show. And I'm really excited about having uh, this amazing uh, young man um, on the show that I've actually known of for a while. Seen him in a lot of different events that I was a part of and love his uh, love for money. Uh, today, we're really going to just dive into one, his story, and two, how can we all really um, experience wealth and build wealth from no matter what. And this young man came from literally uh, foster care uh, to now helping people build wealth and investing the right way. And so I don't care where you are in life. I get sick and tired of people telling me, well, my past won't allow me to do this, or I never had this, or I never had that. No, man, I've met people who were homeless met people who came from foster care, met single mothers, met people who filed bankruptcy, and they've all bounced back. You see, the greatest enemy to your success is your excuse. Your excuse. Not the world, not the White House, your excuse. If you can get over your obstacles and actually use your past to push you towards your present, man, I'm telling you right now, life could be amazing for you. So today I want you to lock in, get a pen, get a paper. You're going to be inspired. You're going to get some information. And hopefully when you leave here today from listening to this podcast and or YouTube channel, you will have the information that you need to change your life. But before we get there, I want to take, thank one of uh, the sponsors today, my friends over at Bethel Tech. Listen, <clears throat> if you can focus the next nine months, it could change the next nine to 19 to 39 years of your life. You see, one of the fastest rising careers in the world today that is creating millionaires is tech. 
My friends over at Bethel Tech are the leading tech boot camp in the United States of America. Uh, they are going to range anywhere between fifteen dollars to seventeen thousand dollars. You get a fifteen hundred dollars scholarship just by joining them through my community. All you gotta do is go to anthonyneal.com forward slash Bethel and check this out. In nine months, you can go from making whatever salary you're making now to making anywhere between eighty to one hundred and twenty thousand dollars, leading all the way up to maybe three hundred thousand dollars, depending on the field that you get into. But tech um, is like the new black for, to me. You know, it's like black people need to start getting into the tech field because that's where millionaires are being made at 20, at 25, at 35, at 55, no matter what age you're in. So go check them out. If you're ready for your life to change from a career perspective, why not make some money from home? I mean, you got tech companies, you know, giving you six figure salary plus unlimited days off. So you're making the money and you're getting some time with your family. Check them out. AnthonyO'Neal.com forward slash Bethel. And make sure y'all stop dating your boy. And I need you to marry me. You know, hit that subscribe button. Um, if you're on a podcast, man, download it. Come over to the YouTube channel. Hit that subscribe button as well because we're growing fast. Our goal is to hit 500,000 subscribers on YouTube this year. Then next year, 2023, we're going to do a million. We are building some amazing things here at the Neatness Network. And we want you to be a part of it. So please hit that subscribe button. Share this video. And if you enjoy uh, my man Mark's uh, testimony, and his passion today and the information you'll get today, man, hit that thumbs up and do us a favor and share it. But, uh, yo, let's let's get straight into it, man. Um, Mark, what's up, man? I'm chilling, man. Yo, Thanks bro. for having me here. Man, listen, let's get straight into it, bro. What are you doing today, right? Like, what's your passion today? Then I want to go to the past. Got it. I'm trying to make people rich. Um, so I want people to start investing the right way mm -hmm. through index funds and um, mutual funds, ETFs more yeah. specifically, and then try to find ways to avoid Uncle Sam legally. Yeah. So that's been my whole thing for the last couple of years. Couple of years, man. So how long have you been in the financial space? Uh, so about 11 <clears throat> years at this point. Yeah, so yeah. I started off at the Vanguard Group, which at the time I had no clue who they were. Yeah. I didn't know what they brought to the table until I started on day one. Yeah. And people came to me and said, hey, you know, you're at the largest mutual fund company in the world. Who knew? Mm -hmm. Right. And then from there, I uh, bounced to private equity and then uh, fintech afterwards. And then now doing my own thing with Better Wallet. It's been you know 11 years in total. Let me ask you this question as a black man, 32 years old, right? Mm -hmm. uh, no kids, not married. Mm -hmm. Why do you feel black people do not invest properly today? I think it's a lot of not knowing. Um, it, it's not something that we hear about growing up. Um, I, I remember looking at your story and, uh, you know, when it comes to finance, a lot of what you knew about finance was like giving money to the church and, mm -hmm. and things like that. And that was really the extent of it. Same way with me. Um, so my dad and my mom would tell me, okay, well, you need to save your money. You need to put your money in the bank. There was no conversation of 401ks, IRAs, custodial Roth, like all these different concepts. So it's a lot of not knowing. And what I've learned is that it's not only just black folks, it's a lot of white folks as well, Absolutely. Um, where they are struggling to invest their money as well. So, um, but for our community specifically, we definitely don't hear it. We're not hearing from our family. We're not hearing from our grandparents, whatever. Um, and it's our time to start investing and, and putting our money into equities. No, I agree with you, man. Um, I have a heart and passion for, you know, people of color mm -hmm. uh, because clearly I'm, I, I am a person of color. I'm black, proud mm -hmm. to be black. Um, and, you know, 
But you're right. I mean, I've had the opportunity to work with, you know, Dave Ramsey for, um, and I learned a lot working with them. And honestly, I'm, I'm so grateful that I spent those years there because you're absolutely right. It's not just people of color who are mm -hmm. lacking that knowledge and that information. Um, white people are lacking that knowledge and information mm -hmm. and Hispanics and Asians. Um, and, and, and you're absolutely right in that area. I think for me, I want all people to get the message. Um, but because I am a person of color, mm -hmm. I, I really do want to make sure that my people get it. Because Definitely. I think there's a lot sure. of people out there giving it to other races and cultures that they mm -hmm. can receive. But there's not a lot of people like you and I who are trying to make sure that our people get it as well in the way that we can receive it. Exactly. Representation right. truly matters. Like it as does. we like were talking about before you started, <clears throat> like you were first one of the first people were talking about, hey, like I'm paying off my debt, I'm starting to invest. I'm like, oh, like yeah. you know, another black man is doing it. Like yeah. that means I could do it too. Yeah, yeah. And that's and that's important. Representation does matter. Um, you said something about family, man. You're right. My family did not um, they taught me the basis of what they knew. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, you know. Hey, if you want to go into the military, military is a great option. If not, get a job, get some good benefits, keep your credit score at a decent score, retire within forty years, right. get your retirement check, social security check, live off of that, and you straight. You know? Right. Uh, maybe you'll get your BMW. You know, towards the end of that. Mm -hmm. But live and just do the bare minimum. Right. But that's because that's what they were taught. Right. Work as hard as you can, and you know. Try to save as much as you can. Yeah. Try not to live paycheck to paycheck, but otherwise, like, no. You, yes. don't, you don't hear any of that stuff. You don't hear any of it. You don't hear anything regarding investing. <laughs> I'm curious, because I know a little bit of your story. You were in the foster care system. Yes, sir. And so my story is different from your story. Give us a little bit of your, your history, man, because foster care, wow, that's yeah, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, no, it was tough. Um, so to kind of go a little bit even before that, um, well, I I was born in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, um, and during that time, both my mom and, and my dad, they were both addicted to, to drugs. Um, mm. Unfortunately, my mom still is in and out of just rehab and things like that. Are you serious? Yeah, so... Um, you still keep in contact with her now? I do, I do. Um, <clears throat> so once I was born, yeah, I was a preemie baby, um, which is crazy because I'm a big dude now, yeah. but you know, all <laughs> glory to God. But you know, I was a preemie baby, I had to go through you know the, the NICU, I call it NICU alum. Um, so after that, they put me straight into foster care. So I was bouncing around to all these different places. I lived with all types of different people, from the Amish to the um, Amish, yeah, to to Latina and Latino uh, folks, you know, white folks, black folks, and I just bounced around for a lot of years out of my life. Um, but it gave me a strong appreciation for just different cultures and different ways of thinking. And then from there, at 13, is when I got adopted from the family in uh, a very small town in Pennsylvania. And I think a lot of times when people are like, oh, you got adopted, you made it out. I'm like, the family that I was adopted into, they're all low income. Like, my town, a quarter of, of the people in my town live below the poverty line. Live below the poverty yeah, line? Yeah. What was the poverty line at that time? Um, I don't remember the exact number, but... Um, I would say it's probably south of you know fifty, sixty thousand. My parents made at the height of their career, they were making you know about sixty altogether. To combine income? Combine income. That's why I qualify for the Pell Grant. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so um so we didn't we didn't really have it like we were talking about beforehand, like um, you know, water going off, electricity going off and things like that. That was normal. Um 
we thought we had it better than most of the other people that were around us. We lived <laughs> right beside the projects. Um, that's where I, I grew up. Mm. A lot of people that um, I was raised around were all entrepreneurs, but they didn't pay taxes, if you know what I mean. Um, so that was like how I grew up. Mm. Um, but my parents, my dad was in the military, my mom was a high security prison guard. Um, they told me, hey, like, you need to get an education. I don't know what that looks like, but you need to get an education, you need to go off to college. Um, if not that, then you need to go to the military. You have two, you have one or, one or, one or the other, you need to figure it out. Um, so at 17, I started applying for school, hoping I would get in. Uh, if I didn't get in, that was gonna go on the list. Um, so then eventually I got into Penn State with no clue how I was gonna pay for it. <laughs> wow, yeah. man. I'm curious, how, at 32 years old now, how did the foster care system and your younger life impact your life today? Um, it, it really, it significantly impacted it because I, even till today, I'm always thinking, how can I better my current situation? Because when I was in foster care, I was like, how can I become adopted? When I got adopted, I was like, okay, how can I do well in school to eventually go off and live the life that I, I dreamed of? Even being from a small town where you know a lot of people weren't able to travel or like leave the state of Pennsylvania because they didn't have the funds. I was like, how can I travel more? How can I like see the world around me? Um, and even now, I'm like, I can think bigger. I can I can do bigger. There's people who are out there and, and doing great things. Like, why can't I do the same thing? So I'm constantly trying to find a way to be bigger than myself and then mm. try to impact the people around me to do the same thing. Um, so that's that's ingrained in my head. I'm you know, a hard worker, um, you know, kind of thinking about like my dad's job. My dad's job literally until the day that he passed away, he moved, you know, Mead, uh, West Vaco, um, yeah. so Mead Five Star Notebooks. Yeah. He worked in a factory in small town Pennsylvania, and he moved boxes from here to here on his feet 12 to 16 hours a day. That's all he did, and he did with a smile. And I remember going in and telling him, like, no, like, I don't, I don't want to do this. <laughs> like, I don't want that job. And he's like, well, if you don't want to do this, then you have to go off to, you have to, go off to college. Um, but a lot of what I experienced growing up, growing up in a lower income, you know, household, going through foster care, mm -hmm. um, you know, getting adopted, all that stuff is ingrained in me now. Um, just that hardworking attitude, that grit, um, knowing that you're going to be able to push through yeah. anything. Yeah. Um, I, I incorporate that into not only what I am today, but also my community, letting them know, hey, like you can push through. Mm -hmm. I'm going to help you. You know, it's so funny when you talk about push through, man, it's... <clears throat> It's, we woke up this morning and uh, our water was off. Mm. And I was tripping because, you know, I got my, my team here and I was like, dang. But it's like, you're right. It's like, you just got to push through, man. And <laughs> Alex, my uh, creative director, is a young kid, young kid, you know what I'm saying? He's 29, 29. He ain't never have to adapt <laughs> and adjust like this, you know what I'm saying? Why you looking at me like that, man? <laughs> Trying to kill a monster. My guy, Alex. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But it was it was so funny because how I remember growing up in Darlington, South Carolina. Well, I didn't grow up in Darlington. That's where my family was from. Mm -hmm. And we didn't have city water. We had the, um, um, I forgot what it's called. Uh, I forgot. I just went blank. But it was well. a water, the well. Yeah, we had mm -hmm. well water. But on this one particular day, the well water was out. It just wasn't working. And so when we cut off this morning, I just uh, literally just went back to how I was raised. Like, mm. all right, bro, take you four cups of water. I was like, you really gonna use those bottles of water? I was like, bro, 
can be funky. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I think sometimes I love, I love how our past, we can take things from our past mm-hmm. and bring them to our present and it impacts our present. Right. And that's what I see from you is like, yo, you had to do some moving, some adapting, some adjusting. Um, and now look at you today, successful, running your own business. And I'm like, man, I pray that my children never have to take out four bottles of water to wash themselves and brush their teeth, but I still want them to know how to do it. Mm-hmm. How to adapt if they're in that situation. Have to. You know right. what I'm saying? Because it's like life is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And while it was uncomfortable, I'm not funky. I brush my teeth to do this show. Right. You know what I'm saying? My hair could be a little bit better. I couldn't, I couldn't wash my hair this morning. <laughs> but you know what? At the end of the day, I was like, wow, God, like, Something that I thought was crazy back in my days mm. is actually saving me today. Yep. And it's like, do you think, because you say, you remind me of me. It's, it sounds like you have like four parents, two of them that unfortunately, um, you know, uh, left you hanging in your, your younger stages. But then you had two great parents who stepped in and said, hey, we don't have it all together, but we're going to step in and save this young man's life. Right. You call your dad, your, your, your adopted dad, dad. Mm-hmm. Wow, and 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 I'm thinking you said before he passed. So did that one pass, or your biological father? Passed? My adopted dad uh, passed uh, after my freshman year and in in, uh, in college. Are you serious? Yep. Did y'all grow a close relationship, you and your adopted parents? Yep. My dad and I. He was my best friend. Um, we worked together uh, for some time uh, during the summer after my freshman year because, you know, I was trying to make some money and, you know, my GPA wasn't all too good. I ended up getting kicked out of Penn State. It was a long story, but um, I needed to make the money in order to give it back to Penn State to get back into school. Mm. Um, but, yeah, he's my best friend. And, uh, I mean, it's a, a longer story, but, unfortunately, he <coughs> died right before my eyes. Um, and it was only me and my mom at home during that time, and— uh, that completely changed my life. What you see today mm-hmm. is not the mark from you know freshman year. Freshman year in college, I was having a ball. Alex knows about Penn State. It's a ball. Um, and you know, once that happened, you know, I went from a boy to a man overnight. Wow. Yep. Wow. Yeah. And how's that relationship with your adopted mom? Uh, still good. Um, we we fight often. But, <laughs> uh, I think it's more because we're very similar. We're very um, hard headed and. Um, when we have an idea, we want to go straight forward into our idea and, you know, you kind of have conflicts, right? Mm-hmm. But that's what family does, right? Like you're going to fight every so often, but at the end of the day, like she helped me to get to where I'm at today. Wow, man. I'll never forget that. Adopted mama, thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, adopted mama, thank you. Uh, thank you so much. Um, you're, have you, did you ever meet your biological father? Yep. Yep. So I, uh, I met him a couple years ago. <laughs> wait, wait, Officially. Literally? Yep. Yep. So like when you was 30? Yep. That so was, was 30 years old. Them yep. First. Yep. So um ancestry.com um <laughs> they we're, we're not sponsored by them at all, but right. um <laughs> ancestry.com I uh you know I got the test and I was like, "You know what? I want to figure out part what part of um, you know, uh, Africa I'm from." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Okay, well, I found out that I'm from Western Africa. Cool, cool, cool." And then on Ancestry, you have an option to look at some of your cousins and like it'll tell you, okay, like second cousin, third cousin, fourth cousin, whatever. My third cousin popped up, Tremika. Um, she lived in Atlanta and he kind of have the information. I was like, you know what? I'm going to send her a message. Send her a message. Yo, what's good? Like I was adopted, blah, blah. My third cousin, based off of this random test I took. 
And she got back to me within a couple hours. She was like, oh, cool, like, that's dope. Um, you know, tell me a little bit more about your story. By the way, you look just like my Uncle Charles. And I'm like, oh, wow, you have the same eyes, everything. Like, what? <laughs> um, so eventually we got on the line and she was like, listen, like, you know, it was a great conversation. I want you to go and, and call my Uncle Charles. He lives in West Philly, right? I lived in Philly at the time. I was wow. downtown Philly. He lived in West Philly. So I call him and I'm talking to him and his wife and we're just going back and forth, just like my background and everything. And uh, he was retired. He was like, hey, like I used to be a school teacher. Now I'm a realtor. I drive Uber. I, uh, I do carpentry work on the side. I'm a mason. I'm a Freemason. Uh, I'm doing this and that. I'm like, this guy is doing everything. And I thought back to like what I was doing at the time, and I was doing everything as well. I was also an Uber driver at the time, um, just making, trying to make ends meet and pay off debt. And uh, then I was like, man, like this guy's probably my dad. There's no way he's not my dad. And then a couple months later, he took the same test because um, he I mean back in the 90s or I should probably the 80s he was shaking and moving doing his thing you know what mm. I mean so he, he wasn't sure where his kids were at um, so he was like I don't know it could be you know I, I had my fun back then you know potentially could be my my son and then uh, he called me after he took the test and he was like 99% chance that you're my you're my uh, son oh yeah and I was like wow and I was driving I almost <laughs> fell off the road man like I almost swerved off the road because you go 30 years of your life just thinking about who is this who is my dad who is my biological father not that i really wanted him in my life mm -hmm. per se i just wanted to know mm -hmm. just to be like okay got it um and my entire life i thought he was a drug dealer i thought he was um dead or locked up whatever it might be but you find out that he's just some you know guy that you know lives in west philly great father really down to earth cares about his family, the people around him, you know, served the country as well. Um, so he was in the Air Force. And um, and you find out that everything you thought your dad was going to be is not that at all. So I'm truly blessed to have him in my life, especially how my adopted father uh, left my life. Wow. So are y'all close today? Yeah, yeah. So he's uh, he's actually going to come down to Atlanta here in a couple months. We're going to kick it. Um, but we, you know, it's it's weird because it feels like a distant cousin in a way. It's mm -hmm. like, hey, like I know about you, but I don't really know you like that. Mm. Um, so you're, we're kind of trying to build that relationship, that bond. Um, so there's love there, but I just need to know more about him. He's learning more about me. He's learning more about the business and how you know my entire story. Uh, he's also learning about this entire family that he doesn't know about. He doesn't know anything about my adoptive family, but he has a strong respect for my biological parents. Mm. Um, and he makes it very clear, even Father's Day. He's like, I know your your father is Big Russ. That's my dad's, um, my late father's name. Mm. Um, I know that's your, your dad, but I'm happy that I'm in your life. Mm. Like he would always say that, like for the last couple Father's Day. Mm. Um, and that... That shows a lot of character yeah. from, for a, a man to kind of say that to their child, knowing that he's the biological father. He says, hey, like, you know, I, I understand that, you know, I come in second place. Mm. Um, and I just appreciate that I could be in your life. So that goes that goes a long way with me. Yo, as we share similar stories, but not similar stories. Mm hmm. It's like, you know, I have two fathers and two mothers, two biological parents and two others. 
And I don't really like the term step because those my stepmother and stepfather legally have become mothers and fathers mm -hmm. to my heart. Yep. And my other father was the first man that I could remember, like physically. My biological father has been in my life from day one, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, but just physically, I, my stepfather was that guy that I re that I first remember, right? Mm. But he never ever um, downplayed my biological father. Mm -hmm. Every Father's Day, I would say Happy Father's Day when I was living with him, and he'd be like, "Yo, have you called your father mm -hmm. to tell him Happy Father's Day?" Right. And my father would tell him Happy Father's Day, and my biological father would tell him Happy Father's Day. Right. You know what I'm saying? And and I remember uh, men respecting and honoring men mm -hmm. when respectfully I could say this without getting any with it without getting in any trouble with my mama <laughs> my father had every right to be extremely upset with my stepfather mm -hmm. um and he probably was upset in the very beginning and I just probably never heard it but he had every right to where he had every right to where he could have just been like forget you stepdaddy mm -hmm. you know but to me I never saw it I've always seen them respect each other. My stepfather always respect my father. And I think, man, in this generation, we, we got to get there. And I just love hearing that story um, about that. And I'm happy for you and your, your father, man. I appreciate it. You know, that's really good. Do you think he'll ever get that father role? Or do you think he'll just become a, your father for sure, because he, he is that, but like just real now, just a just a good friend in your life? Yeah, yeah. I You know, eventually, hopefully it gets to that point, but... Um, we're gonna try not to force it, right? Like he's he's down in the, down to earth enough where I can say, hey, like, you know, hopefully we'll get to that point. But if we don't, hey, it's cool. It's cool. It's been cool. thirty years, right? And you know? he's he's more because I, I have my biological siblings too, so he's introducing me to them. Um, you know, C Day, uh, C J, and, and Charnay, and how old are they? They're uh, so C J. He is twenty. He's 22 now. Okay. Um, Charnay just graduated from Penn. She is 21. Um, and then so wait, uh, they went to David, the same college as you too. I went to Penn State. Okay. okay the okay. the better school. The, the better. School. <laughs> I was about to say, wait, this is not this the, is interesting. Not the <laughs> not the Ivy League. Uh, okay. All right. Cool. I got you. <laughs> so, um, but it's been cool, like connecting with them and learning the other side of the family. Um, his mother's still alive. Um, so connecting with her as well, and like just learning about like what she kind of went through throughout her life. Yeah. So it's been it's been cool. Um, a lot of different family dynamics and everything, but it makes me who I am today. Man, no, this is good, and I love to get the background of the story because it's like where you are today with your company, Better Wallet, right? That wasn't instilled into you at ten, at fifteen. You didn't see business owners. Mm. Um, you didn't see wealthy parents. Right. Uh, well, no, you you probably saw wealthy parents. I think wealth is uh, not think. Wealth is a whole lot more than just money. Yeah. But you didn't see the wealthy side when it comes to the physicalness of money. Right. Right. Growing up. So I'm curious, how did you get into the financial world? So coming from <laughs> where you where you were, how did you get into like, hey, I want to get involved in finances? I weaseled my way in. <laughs> weaseled your way yeah, in. Yeah, man. So I went to Penn State, um, did I, I got into the engineering program initially because um, I thought I was going to do engineering. Then I realized I wanted to do business. Mm. Um, so I started doing business, and my GPA wasn't high enough to get into finance. Um, you needed, um, at the time, I think you needed like a, a 
a 3.5 in order to get into finance after your freshman year. It was not even close to that. <laughs> I think it was like a 2-1 after my freshman year. It was rough, um, just kind of going through a lot of what you have to go through your first year of school. So I said, hey, like, I want to still be in business, but I'm going to do economics. And then hopefully one day I can get myself into the finance world and, like, walk on Wall Street and all that stuff. And um, when I was in school, it was that, you know, during the 08-09 crisis. So I, like, fell in, fell in love with, like, what was happening in Wall Street and trying to figure it out and saying, like, you know, how can I help people, you know, normal investors invest mm. the right way? And that's been, like, my whole mantra, you know, since the beginning. So as I was going through school, I wish I had like your book, for example, that would teach me how to get like a debt-free degree <laughs> and all that stuff. I didn't, I didn't have that. I didn't know how to, um, you know, graduate from school without having all that, um, all the debt that I did incur. So I was going and I was going to a student aid office. I was negotiating with them. I was begging for money. I was working these odd jobs. I was selling plasma. I was cutting hair. I was refereeing. I was doing anything I possibly could in order to afford school. Selling and, plasma? Yep. AKA blood? Blood, yep. Your blood? Selling blood, yep. My siblings still make fun of me until today, but I'm like, I had to put food on the table. I had to eat. I had to pay for books. Wow. Like, you guys didn't have the bread, so I had to figure it out. So, um, but yeah, I was doing everything. I was <laughs> running my own business. Um, I was owning, uh, running my own barbershop business out in my dorm bathroom. So I'll have clients come in like every Saturday and I would just cut all Saturday. And I'll use that money in order to pay for whatever I needed to pay for for school. But I knew one thing, I was gonna graduate within four years, no matter what. Did you graduate? Oh yeah. What'd you graduate with? Economics, business economics. Business economics. Yep. How much debt did you graduate with? Uh fifty thousand dollars of debt. Fifty thousand dollars in debt. Was it so? Was that an in-state or out-of-state school for you? In-state. In-state. Yeah, fifty thousand dollars of student loan debt, and then I had car debt, had credit card debt. That was the hardest part: credit card debt. The credit card debt. Oh yeah. What'd you spend on your credit card? I'm curious. <sighs> Everything. I was that kid where we would go out. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna swipe the card. And, and you mean, pay for I, everybody. I, you know, you want shots? No problem. I just wanted people to have a good time. No, I'm with you. you. Know what I mean, I'm with so I was like, uh, you don't got the bread? I'm make sure you know, you know, have a good time, whatever. Um, going out, buying clothes, shoes, whatever, because you know, I wanted. I was in a stage in my life where I felt like I needed to impress. Yeah. Um. So I was just going, doing whatever. Um. And then next thing you know, I had ten thousand dollars of credit card debt. Um, Again, similar to your story, mm -hmm. I was going and I was getting these credit cards because they were like, oh, like we're going to give you free pizza and T-shirts, right? I'm That's like, it. bet, sign me up. Sign me no up. problem, you know what yeah. I mean? And then luckily at a certain point, they cut me off and they said, like, you can't get any more credit. I'm like, what? Like, why Why can't I? Right. right. Um, this is free money. Why are you not giving <laughs> it to me? Um, so I was just swiping the card and, and praying that one day I'll, I'll pay it off. But yeah, so you know, throughout school, just did all these different odd jobs to make sure that um, that I can you know pay for school. But the reason why I was able to get into finance is because I was able to spend my entire story to these recruiters and said, because you know, like I'm going to these recruiters at Vanguard. A lot of these people, they come from money. Mm -hmm. They they come from multifamily homes and all this stuff, and they would sit down and be like, "Hey, like, tell me your story." I tell them the story, and they'll be like, "Oh my God, like you've been." You've been through a lot. And for them, they're like, oh, you have like the intangibles. You have the grit. You have the willpower. Um, you know about personal finance. You know how to make things work. You know how to talk to people. And when you're coming out of school, that's what they want to see. Yep. So 
I talked to a recruiter, that recruiter passed me on to another recruiter. Next thing you know, I'm working at Vanguard in one of their um, top programs. Um, it's called the Vanguard Accelerated Development Program, where mm. they only choose 20 people out of the country to work at Vanguard, and the goal is for you to become senior management within 10 years. And you were selected for the program. And me from the hood <laughs> was selected for the program. And I'm with other kids that were, you know, from private equity fund families. Like one kid, um, his mom was, or his dad was a hedge fund manager. And I'm having conversations with them. And they're like, oh, like, what's your family? What do they do? Like, oh, my, my dad passed. He worked in a warehouse. My mom worked in a prison. She's physically disabled. Um, and I'm here to show you guys that I can run circles around anyone. <laughs> so they they love that. They love that. So well, man, it's a lot of circles around all y'all rich people. Right. Yo, that's crazy. So but that's how I got in. That's how you got into the finance world. Yep. The next thing you know, I'm a licensed stockbroker and then finally became a licensed financial advisor. Just just starting there. And how much debt were you in around that time? Um, and well, when I graduated from school, no, I'll say right around the financial when you, when you start when you became a, a financial advisor. Mm -hmm. um, so at that time, I started nipping away at a lot of my debt. So I still probably had like forty to fifty thousand left in total, in total of student loan debt and car debt and credit card debt. Mm -hmm. Cause it took me a while to get my act together. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't until maybe two thousand seventeen, like after I left Vanguard where I said, you know what, I'm gonna take control of how much money I'm bringing in, and I'm also gonna, I'm gonna do offense and defense, right? So I'm gonna make sure offensively I'm bringing in enough money, and then defensively I'm gonna make sure I'm budgeting and paying off debt. Mm -hmm. um, and luckily the combination of those two helped me to pay off debt by 2020. So you're completely debt-free today? Completely debt-free. Let me ask you this question though. Why do you believe financial freedom and having no debt is the best route to go for you personally? For me personally, I knew that I woke up every day with anxiety knowing that I had debt. Mm. I owed someone else. Mm. I didn't want to be in a position where I owed anyone for anything. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't want to be in a position where anyone could take anything away from me. Everything I have today, no one could take it away. No mm. one could take away your degree. No one could take away my, my business, like all those things. So for me, I wanted to become debt-free um, to to have that freedom to basically say, hey, like I can work on my own terms. I don't have to worry about paying back the man. Um, and it also kind of went along the same vein of make sure I, I decrease my expenses to a point where I can start my own business. Because yeah. what people fail to realize is that when you start your own business, the paycheck that you're getting month after month is based off of the expenses that you occur month after month, yep. right? So like if you're able to lower that threshold, and let's say it's only you only need three thousand dollars a month, then that means you only need to bring in, in theory, uh, three thousand in order to break even. Mm -hmm. um, likely you need more than that because of taxes and all that stuff. But that's another conversation. Yeah. Um, but that that was my whole mentality. I said, hey, like I want to work on my own means. I want to have my own company. And frankly, when I was at Vanguard and I was working in private equity and I was working in fintech, I told myself I can do it better myself. Ooh. I can help. I can help the people that look like me go off and become millionaires and multimillionaires. But what I was doing when I was at Vanguard and when I was at, you know, when I was, you know, a stockbroker and a financial advisor was I was making millionaires multimillionaires, but not helping the people from where I'm from invest. So that's where Better Wallet truly started. Yo, I, I, bro, bro. 
You just said something that I, I want to make sure that people heard. You are helping millionaires become multimillionaires. Mm -hmm. But you were not helping people who look like you and I become millionaires. Right. And I think that is so, so important to understand to people, to why do why do people like you and I have a passion for our community? Because we are not even becoming a hundred thousandaires. Mm-hmm. It was on, I got it right here on my computer. Um, it, it's the, uh, hold on, it's the McKinsey and Company um, uh, company. They came out with this uh, study two years ago called the, the Economic State of Black Americans, what mm -hmm. is and what could be. They do this study every three years. Mm -hmm. And they say that the average, not the average, less than 50% of, or 48% of black men are gonna make $38,000 a year. Wow. You know wow. what I'm saying? Like. People who look like you and I, that, that's almost half of black men yep. are going to make below poverty, mm -hmm. $38,000 a year. And then it said the other side will make about $48,000 a year, but then only 7% of black people will make over six figures. Wow. And here you are saying, you know, I can help my people go from 38000 to 100000 to a half a million to a million. Mm-hmm. But it's so funny how you're right. The millionaires are becoming multimillionaires. Right. Yeah. And I realized that during uh, times where the market wasn't doing all too well. And I would get calls from the multimillionaire saying, like, I, I, my life is in danger. <laughs> like, I feel like I'm in a crisis because the market's not doing well and I'm losing money. And I had to think about it. I'm like, what problem am I solving? I'm helping them with tax strategies. I'm helping them build their portfolio. I'm helping them with just trying to um, limit the volatility within their portfolio. And I'm like, but am I actually helping to solve the challenge that's at hand? Um, the wealth gap, right? Like I talk about that heavy on my, on my page because it's so important. And I was like, am I helping to widen it or am I helping to, um, you know, Bring it, bring it in, or let mm. it just, you know, shorten it. So from there, I started working on what I call my pandemic project, which is Better Wallet. And then from there, it, it took off from there. So you find one person that needs some help. You find two people. You find a hundred thousand. You find two hundred thousand. And it's been going from there. We have to close the wealth gap. Yes, sir. It actually helps that it ha it helps the world. Mm -hmm. It doesn't just help black people. It helps the world when we can get get our black families are healthier and wealthier, starting businesses, it now helps the world because now those black families can employ other people. Right. When we employ the people, we help the economy. Yes, sir. So it's like it helps all people when black people and white people and Asian people win. Right. And it's like, whoo, boy, boy, better while in here talking. He ain't here talking. <laughs> he is in here talking. Man, how do we help close the wealth gap? So what is one what is one thing that Better Wallet is doing to help close that wealth gap? Yeah, so we're we're doing a lot of things, um, but primarily what we're doing is helping people streamline their finances, make sure they're not spending money on things that they shouldn't mm -hmm. um, in order for them to invest more in order for them to grow wealth for their family, mm -hmm. tax efficiently, right? Tax I think a lot of times we talk about, okay, we need to build generational wealth, but we truly only talk about building wealth, building their money. But like, we're not talking about how can we pass on to you know, our kids? How can we pass on uh, tax efficiently? How can we build trust funds, right? 
like all that stuff is really important. I feel like we miss a lot of that. So me stepping in as like a past financial advisor, I'm like, hey, here's the other part of that story. I can help you get up to you know, wealth, I can get you to the point where you're investing your money, you're making money passively, but we also need to talk about how we're gonna pass it down to our kids, mm -hmm. and then how we also gonna educate our kids and make sure that they aren't messing up the money once they get it. Mm -hmm. So it, can keep, it keeps going generation after generation. That generational wealth is something very, very important to me. Mm -hmm. I don't have kids like you at 38, you know, I don't even have a wife, I'm, I'm out here trying to find one, I'm dating. Um, <laughs> And it's like, for me, it's like, man, what what am I building now that will generate a strong legacy mm -hmm. for my kids down the road? Yep. I've already started. <laughs> How, I have a 529 plan for, for my future child. Wow. Already set up. I've been putting money into it for a long time. Yeah. At this point, I was just looking at the numbers before uh, coming here. If I stop contributing right now and, and allow it to grow, they will already have more than um, $150,000 invested by the time, let's say they come out you know, 10 years from now, mm -hmm. and then they have 18 years until they have to go off to school, they'll have um, you know, close, well, more than six figures Absolutely. already invested. So they can go off to school, they can, go, <clears throat> they can go off to college, they can go get a certificate, whatever, but they can use that 529 money. So what you do is you invest before the kid's even born. Mm -hmm. Once the kid's born, they have a social security number. You transfer the account to them, over man. to them, allow it to grow. A lot of people say, okay, well, 18 years isn't enough to um, to invest. Yeah. I mean, given the, the tuition rates and yeah. how they've been climbing, um, assuming your kid's going off to, off to a four-year university, I get it. Yeah. Like, you don't have a lot of time. And you have to contribute a lot over a course of 18 years. Um, but you can start now. Yeah. If you're thinking about having a child or if you know that one day you'll have a kid, you can start putting money into a 529 account now and then transferring over to your kid a little yeah. bit later Ooh. Yo, man, real quick, I want to thank our second sponsor of today's show, man, Prize Pool. Prize Pool is where I actually park my money. Um, I have my emergency fund there and I have my kid fund. Uh, you know, Mark is talking about the 529. I actually have a kid fund over there that I'm just putting money into that. Um, and then once it goes from there and it, I do get a social security number, then I'll move it over to a 529 or to something else that uh, we may we may do. It all depends on who I get married to. Uh, but I love uh, prize pool because they offer a high, high, high return on their savings account. Um, it's easy, accessible. And you know what? They're giving away close to $50,000 a month just in rewards for you saving. Mm. Uh, so you could walk away not just with your uh, percentage on your return, but every single week you could walk away with another $100, $500, or $10,000. Um, and I think the number was, it was like close to a 3% return on your savings account is what they're averaging per person because of all the rewards and stuff that they're giving. So listen, you can go to anthonyoneal.com forward slash savings, open up your prize pool account for free. And if you put in um, $500 or more inside of the savings account, they're going to give you more tickets to go towards your drawings. So check them out, you guys. It'll be worth it. I park my money there. Listen, one key thing to building wealth is make sure you have a savings account that prevents you to going back into debt. Bottom line. It's not a matter of if life will happen. It's just a matter of when life will happen. So join me over at Prize Pool. Go to anthonyoneal.com forward slash savings and they will take good care of you. Um, why are you so passionate, man, about 
saving for your kid's financial future right now. You don't even have kids. You say you're not even dating. Mm -hmm. So you probably got at least, I mean, for sure, another year. Mm -hmm. If you meet someone tomorrow and y'all, you know, well, you're a high-quality man, so that ain't going to happen. So you got at least another two years before you have kids. Yeah, and the reason why, um, so when my dad passed uh, after my freshman year, as I mentioned, he didn't have anything. He had a loan that we had to pay off. Um, he didn't have a 401k, no IRA, no life insurance, nothing. Absolutely nothing. So No life know, insurance? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So um, when he passed away, we struggled for a long, and again, at the height of 2008, 2009 financial crisis, right? So my mom had to go through bankruptcy. She, you know, it was just a lot that we had to go oh. through over that course of time. Because we didn't have the backing. So in my head, I'm like, my kid is not going to have to deal with that. They're not going to have to deal with it if, unfortunately, I you know, pass away or whatever happens. They're going to have that financial backing, and they're going to be good. Um, but that's one of the bigger reasons on why I want to make sure that they are, are taken care of from you know, a 529 standpoint or you know, when they're born, I'll make sure they're working for Better Wallet. We'll open up a custodial Roth IRA. We have the game plan. Yeah. Just have to get the kid. Yeah. <laughs> I'll probably end up adopting, to be honest. For um, real? Given that I was uh, an older adoptee. For that's real. something that's near and dear to my heart, yeah. You know, I'm not opposed to adopting, man. I'm really not opposed to adopting. My stepfather tried to adopt me, which I'm grateful that he couldn't mm-hmm. because my dad was alive in my life. And he was like, no, I don't want to give up my son. Mm-hmm. And so it honestly, them fighting that out actually made me love both of them even more. That you loved me enough to adopt me and you loved me enough to not give me up, mm-hmm. you know? And so, um, but it's like to, to see how my, my other father really loved me. I'm like, yo, I could adopt. Mm-hmm. I could really yeah. um, serve a young kid and help that young kid rise and become bright. Because, bro, what you're doing in life right now, man, I can tell what your your late father did and how he really stepped into your life and gave you life. Yes, sir. You yeah. Yeah, he was a hardworking guy. Um, we should give a share off his back for anyone. And he used to always tell me, hey, like, I'm not going to be here forever. And I used to be like, ah, get out of here. You're going to be here forever, man. Like, when I make it, you're not going to have to work anymore. Mm. Like, I'm going to retire you. You're not going to work in this factory. And unfortunately, he's not here now, but I always think about that, man, mm. like, he would literally be living in Bora Bora. Like, I would just make sure that he had the bread to do whatever the hell he wanted to do. Mm. But he was such a hardworking guy, I can't even see him retiring. Yeah. Um, that's just how, like, that was his character. Man, dude, that is good. Yeah. Man, I, I, that makes me, it makes me happy for you and your future, you and your future kids, because, I mean, you, you're going to provide a life for them that's going to be so impactful, man. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, as we're coming to the end of the show, I wish we had a two-hour show, bro, because I mean, your story is just powerful. And I really want y'all to check out all of his information. We're going to drop it in today's show notes. He has an amazing financial checklist that you all can check out to really start your journey right. Um, and we're going to put his information there, Better Wallet information in there, his IG information in there. Y'all, go support him. Go support my man. Get the knowledge. Get the information. Uh, because I, I love what Mark is doing with, with this brand. Uh, but if someone's listening to this right now and they're saying, all right, Mark, I hear you. I, I've been listening to Anthony. I hear this show. You know, I don't come from the best upbringing, too. I don't know where to start. Where do they start to get their money on track? 
Yeah, well, you just mentioned the financial checklist. So, uh, so when I left corporate America, I knew that there were a lot of people that were like struggling with their finances, and I needed to create a product where they can go and just check the box and mm. say, okay, well, what do I need to do when it comes to saving money? Like, do I need a high-yield savings account? If so, like, where should I go? Um, if I need to open up an investing account, what do I need to do? <coughs> what do I need to invest in? How do I pay off debt, right? So there's four different quadrants that um, in that checklist where I not only tell you what you need to do, but I also show you how you go about doing it. So if you're like, all right, well, I need to understand what my net worth is. How do I calculate that? Mm -hmm. I have a budget temp or I have a um, net worth tracker in there where you can go click the link uh, and then from there, the net worth tracker will pop up and then you can figure out what your net worth is. Mm -hmm. So the goal of it is for you to walk away and say, okay, well, I know where to start. And then from there, you continue to check off the list. And then I have a, a rubric at the end where it will tell you where you're at. So if you're, I call it financial SOS, where you're like, hey, I need help, um, all the way to being financially bulletproof, uh, which is 21, uh, 21 of the different points on, uh, on, the check point, uh, on the checklist. Cool. Yep. If I'm 25 watching this, I'm like, all right, cool, great. I got that. I'm good. I ain't got no college debt. How do I start building my wealth? Start investing. Yeah. Early and often. Where at? Where, where would you say first? Um, so I would, if you're younger, if you're 25, likely you are not uh, at the point where you're making the most money within your career, right? Mm -hmm. So like you're at a lower tax bracket normally. Mm -hmm. um, so that's when you start taking advantage of tax efficient accounts. Mm -hmm. um, so we talked a little bit about like just Roth accounts in general. Um, so consider a Roth IRA frankly, consider a, a Roth 401k. People Absolutely. don't. Um, so you want to make sure that you're paying those taxes now when your tax rate is lower. And then from there, later down the road, you know, when you retire, then you don't have to pay taxes on the yeah. amount of money um, at, after 59 and a half. Yeah. So I would say if you're 25, focus on those tax efficient accounts. And then later down the road, you don't have to worry about paying money to Uncle Sam. I know a problem saying, well, what does he mean by petty taxes now uh, to pay him down the road? Well, I think what he's, well, not I think, I know what he's saying is, let's say for an example, you're in a tax bracket and you're only paying 18%. Um, that's because your tax bracket is low because your income is low. Mm -hmm. So it's like if you're only making $35,000 a year, you're not paying as much interest as someone who's making 100000 a year or someone who's making $80,000 a year or someone who's making 225000 So if you're only going to pay, let's say, for an example, just rough example numbers, 18% at this, but then now your money's growing Roth tax-free, but then as you're getting older, your income grows, and maybe your tax bracket may, by that time, be at 33%, you're not paying 33% when you go to pull it out if you had a traditional uh, 401k. And that's what I love about Roth. You pay your tax bracket rate today, and it grows tax-free. And man, listen, I will hope that all of us, by the time we get older, are making more money. We're in a different tax bracket. Mm -hmm. But we don't have to pay those penalties. Yes, sir. Not really penalties, but we don't have to, well, I call them penalties. I mean, it's, you know, it's IRS. Anything the IRS <laughs> is in, it's just penalties. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, but, like, even with, like, a Roth IRA, you could take money out after five years of putting money in. Mm -hmm. um, you could take money out to pay for your first home up to $10,000, mm -hmm. for example. Yeah. Um, or a college education, whatever. Um, you can use it for that or, like, medical expenses. Like, there's so many different ways of using a Roth IRA that I feel like people don't really pay as much attention to. But, yeah, if you're younger, take advantage of the tax-efficient accounts. Um, 
I think a lot of times we gravitate towards putting money into brokerage, which um, is just like a normal investing account, traditional investing account, but there's no tax benefits with that. You put money in, the money grows, you take it out, you have to pay taxes on it. Yep. There's more tax efficient ways of going about doing it. So for Better Wallet, but you being a self-employed business owner now, what's your thoughts on people starting businesses because we do know that the tax laws was written more so for business people than it was for the W-2 employee. Mm -hmm. uh, do you see benefits with being a minority business owner? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, just just being a business owner in general, um, there are ways to pay less in taxes because the money's coming from the business versus coming from a company. Because I'm not a W-2 employee, there's a lot of taxes that I, frankly, am able to avoid because of that. Um, even when I pay myself a salary, I pay myself $50,000, which is significantly less than what I made as a financial advisor. Mm -hmm. And some people are like, why don't you pay yourself more? And I'm like, you don't understand how taxes work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you want to make sure you want to keep that as low as possible because that's where you're taxed is that money that's coming from the business versus you could take a draw from your, um, so I have an S Corp, you could take a draw from your account and get paid or you have to pay uh, significantly less in, in taxes. Um, so definitely a lot of benefits and being a business owner is just one. I mean, I also have a uh, solo Roth 401k. Yep. So you kind of combine uh, a 401k with a Roth account, and then it's called solo because you own it, and I'm the only employee with a better wallet currently. Yep. Um, so because of that, I'm able to contribute more into a solo Roth 401k than I would if I had a traditional 401k. So there's a lot of different benefits, and I'm, I'm playing around with a few others. So now that I'm in Atlanta, I can start buying up real estate. That would be a completely different LLC. That's really where the money is made as well. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be like one of the newer ventures that I'm going after. Yep. For someone sitting around, I'm, I'm, I have my own business. How do I get a solo Roth 401k? How do they, mm -hmm. how do they do that? Do you have any recommend, recommendations for them? Yeah, um, there's a couple different <clears throat> places where you can go and get a solo Roth 401k. Um, Fidelity has one. I personally have one at uh, Vanguard. You would think I'm biased towards Vanguard. I work there. I'm not. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, Fidelity has one. Vanguard has one. I think Charles Schwab has one as well. Okay. We go. You set it up, you give them some paperwork to show them that you're an actual company. And then um, from there, you could put your money on the autopilot. Autopilot. Yeah. Go straight into it. Yep, exactly. So um, it's more simple than you, you might think. I right. thought it was going to be really complicated. It was pretty straightforward. Do you do, as a business owner, do you do all of your investments with Vanguard? No. No, I use primarily Vanguard funds, okay. but I actually don't like the Vanguard platform at all. I got you. Um, hopefully, you're not working with them. But I'm not. Like, <laughs> I, uh, uh, you know, being there for as long as I, uh, I I work there, their technology needs to be better. Mm. They don't put enough money into their technology, and mm. they don't even talk about how much money they put into their technology because they know it's not. Uh, it's not enough, mm. and they tend to have a lot of issues with opening up accounts. Out of all places where you would have an issue when it comes to technology for a firm, don't let it be when people are trying to put money into your company. Absolutely. And they struggle with that, and they continue to struggle. And I've left Vanguard. It's been almost, how long has it been? Um, five years since I worked there, and mm. they still have the same issue. So I don't, I don't like their technology platform. I don't like their app. Mm -hmm. I think Fidelity is better when it comes to technology. Um, I don't like Fidelity funds as much as I like Vanguard funds. So I mix, I mix and match. Mix and match. But like I'm, I'm not biased, biased towards Vanguard at all. Whoa, wait, boy. 
Yeah. Listen here, man. This has been a a great show. Like I, I think for me, hearing your story and seeing seeing your journey to where you are now with Better Wallet, after all you've been through and the wealth that you're building for yourself and your, for your future family, and how you're teaching this this to other um, brothers and sisters as well. Mm-hmm. This is, man. This this is a story. I'm like, man. Wow. Like, I thought I had a story. But my story is night and day from your story. Mm. You know? You met your dad two years ago. You know? You met your mom at, what, 13? Mm-hmm. And look at you today, man. Mm-hmm. This is just a Enjoy. reminder, yeah, that you guys, no matter what you're going through, like I said in the beginning of the show, that... The greatest enemy to your success is your excuse. He could have clearly been like, man, I don't know who my parents are. I didn't get this information. I didn't have this. I didn't get this. I didn't get that. So I can't get that. But no. He fought. He fought through. He learned. He made some mistakes. And he bounced back. And he said, all right, cool. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to learn this. And now look at him today, a business owner, helping millions of people with their money, already thinking about his wife and his kids down the road. So ladies, hit up, hit him up. Hit him up in the DM, you know what I'm saying? He's single, single, you know? And y'all heard what he said. He already got a 529 for y'all kids. That's a good man. <laughs> that's a good, he ain't even met you yet. He already thinking about the kid that's coming out your womb. My God, my God. <laughs> that's a good black man right there. That's a good black man. So we're going to put all his information seriously in the show notes. I want y'all to go check him out. Um, follow him on Instagram. Let him know that y'all seen him on the show. And uh, support this brother uh, because he has a wealth of information that he can give you, he can teach you. Um, listen, man, this, this, is, this is family. You know what I'm saying? I mean, this, this, this is what it's about. Helping my brothers and my sisters win and excel. And I've been following him for years. Um, and I've been seeing what he's been doing and how he's been impacting the, the financial community. And I had to get him on the show. I just had to get him on the show. And so I want you to go check him out. Don't forget to check out my my partners today, uh, Bethel Tech and Prize Pool. Again, you can go to anthonyno.com forward slash Bethel, anthonyno.com forward slash savings. Open up a savings account today. Check out Bethel Tech so that way you can get into the tech career field. Uh, because I believe in 2023, we're going to see more millionaires coming out of my tribe. We're going to see more business owners and more people getting into tech and really owning uh, their career field so they can make more money, so they can start getting out of debt, so they can start really, really building wealth. So go check out my partners. Check out my boy Mark's information today in today's show notes. And uh, yo, we'll see you on the next show. Peace out.